Hi, and welcome to Leitrim Daily. Now, today's guest first caught my attention as a youngster playing junior football in the county when he was the best player on the field. Now, what was unique about that, probably, because it doesn't sound that unique on the face of it, but to a 17-year-old, when you're playing against grown men, the last person you expect to be the best player on the field is the guy who's almost touching 60 at the time. Eamon McGowan of Alan Gales, I think, Everyone will know exactly who I'm talking about. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Bethany. Thank you. Eamon, football has played a huge part in your life. And I, you probably don't remember that day because you've played so many football matches over the years. But what age were you when you retired from playing football? Um, the last game I actually... Well, I didn't play a full game, but I played a second half due to circumstances. Um if you didn't feel 15 at the start of a second half in a, in a league match or a champion, you, you had to forfeit the game. And we were actually playing in Ahawillan in the Division 3 game, and we only had 14 players. So sooner than concede the game, I put a jersey on. I went on for the second half, and I was just gone 65. Wow, that's unbelievable. You probably scored about 2-1 and won the game. For <laughs> no, no, I scored, actually I scored three points. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of knew that was going to come. I, w- I won't mention who I was marking. Just <laughs> <laughs> let's rewind a little bit, a couple of decades back, and let's talk about growing up in Drumshambo and the effect that, I suppose, a Leitrim upbringing had on you back in your early years. Yeah, well, football was everything in our house at that time when I was young with my brother Tony. And um, my father was obsessed with football. No matter where there was a game, we were into the car and gone. And when the football season, the Gaelic season finished, then every second Sunday it was down to the showruns. <laughs> so that was the way it was. And up to the, in actual fact, sometimes we didn't have a, a regular pitch at all. Every year we seemed to be going to a different field to play football. But that didn't stop us at the same time. Everybody was committed enough to do that and off we went, whether we cycled or walked or whatever. That's where, what we done. Where are some of those fields now and do they bring back memories when you drive by them? Those fields, well, no, there was a good few of them. There was, uh, we used to call it Highlands Field. That was up to Hilly Road, as we call it. Then further up to Hilly Road, up beside where a good friend is, is living now up beside Sean Lynch's house. It was um, Ochnahu was the name of the, the land we played there. Then we played in Convus Field on the Carrick Road. Then we played in the Convent Field, which was under the railway station at the time. And then I think we played two matches in a field out the Church Road, uh, Price's Field out that way. So. So you were the travelling football team? We were, yeah. We were like... A, the Harlem Globetrotters of Harlem, Drumshambo. Exactly like that, yeah. yeah. So then, in, then in the 60s, then I think um, when the, uh, these, most of these people are passed on now, um, Paddy Joe Reynolds and Paddy Heslin and people like that, they decided it was time we got home, like in other words. So they purchased the field that we're actually in now at the moment, so... It was developed into different, uh, different stages, into the ground it is now. So, And they were happy enough with that hill, were they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a lot of work on it because of, there was a lot of bulldozing at that time and even blasting because of, there was a lot of rock just to get it levelled. But they persisted and they kept going and they got it done. What did it mean to a youngster growing up in Alan Gales or in Dumshambo at the time to have that 
home that you knew you could train in, that you could play games in, that it really just kind of, it probably became your second home in a football madhouse. Well, it did, yeah, yeah. It was, I, I mean, like I say, we were just, every year we didn't know where we were going to go, you know, and, and in fairness to the people in charge, they they persisted and got places for us, you know, they didn't just let it die on us, you know, they kept that thing going. But in the 50s and them times, we didn't have, we had, uh, I didn't play underage football with Trumshan, but we didn't have underage, I played, believe it or not, a lot of people would be surprised that I played my minor football with Carrick. So they would have been our big rivals in years to come, but that's how I started my minor football. And you don't have any scars from the jersey spontaneously combusting on your back or anything like that, no? No, no, I didn't. I know I was getting a game of football. <laughs> yeah, you don't mind when you're that age. You just want to play. <laughs> yeah. So what would be your happiest memories as a child playing football with Carrick at the time? Well, fortunately enough, we won a minor league with Carrick, so that was the first time I won anything as regards winning. So that, that would be standing out a good bit now. In terms of non-football activities around Dumshambo, what was life in Dumshambo like in the 1950s? Ah, it was like I'd say most towns, small towns. There was we in the latter stages of the 50s when you got the electricity into the town. Like there was a, a local man called uh, Lairds was the name of the people, and they had they produced electricity for the town itself at the time. So we weren't that badly off. Only the lights would go out at a certain time at night. But then the the rural thing came in then. But we were, we had no, you know, you'd done what youngsters done them days. You went out and you played and, of course, there wouldn't be as much activity as regards traffic or things like that. Uh, you know, you had a little bit more scope. You could play up and down on the street and we'd play soccer on the street or play football, anything at all to play. Like, you know. Was soccer frowned upon at the time by the, the guys running the GA? No, no, not really, no. That all no, kind of came no. later, did it? Yeah. No, as long as you're active, that was probably the main thing, you know. Let's talk about the town and how it's developed, and, and specifically the football team, because you played as St. Francis, and then tell us how Alan Gales became into existence in the late 60s. Well, we were St. Francis in the 60s, and we won a junior championship in 63, you know, and like I say, I mentioned his name a while ago, Sean Lynch was... He was from Dingle and Kerry. He arrived into our territory in the, in the 60, late 62 and uh, everybody assumed once he was from Kerry he had to be a good footballer, <laughs> which he was, <laughs> as it turned out. But he, he was appointed captain of us since in the 63 and, and he just led by example. He was t- totally committed to, to Alan G- uh, St. Francis at the time, you know. I'll give you one instance. Now, we were at that time the championship was run north south Leitrim. There was south championship and a north championship, and then the two winners met in the final. And we were in the semi final of the south championship, and Kerry were playing in Coe Park the same day. Sean had actually gone to Dublin for the weekend, <laughs> so everybody was in the horrors. Would he arrive in Banlamore or would he not arrive in Banlamore? And nobody was. Even getting out of the cars, like, waiting to see what was going to happen. And next thing, suddenly, somebody said, here, he's coming. And Sean arrived out from Ballinamore. And, you know, so it just showed the loyalty he had to us at the time. So So he missed the Kerry game. He missed the Kerry game, yeah. That's a big commitment for a Kerry man. It was, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) In terms of the club, then, Alan Gale's come into existence in 69, I believe. 69, so, we amalgamated with Bandleclare, yeah, yeah. So, interestingly, because now Alan Gales is the Drumshambo Club and St. Francis in women's football 
uh, is the two amalgamation. It actually originated the other way around, where St. Francis was from Shambo, and yeah. Balneglera came into it to make it Alan Gales. When did that, that amalgamation break up and Balneglera go back on their own, and, and why did you keep the name? Well, we kept the name because we didn't think there was any point in changing back again. You know, that uh, we were basically known then as Alan Gales, like, you know, so I don't know whether the ins and outs, like, the, the ex, whether there was something to do with the executive side of it or the rule part of it or whatever, but we didn't bother going back to St. Francis. You know, we stayed as we were as Alan Gales. Now, in your house, you would have been the the football player, the coach, and you would have continued on that vein the whole way through your career. Tony would have been the administrator, or at least would have become better known for his administrator. Who was the better footballer? Or who was, was there much competition in your eyes? Uh, <laughs> oh, there was loads of competition, all right, yeah. Loads of competition. Oh, no, Tony was very good. He was as good, uh, every bit as good as me now. You know, he was. Yeah. Have to give him his credit for that too. That's a diplomatic answer. For you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Let's talk ladies football. When did... That evolved, or was that later in your career? It was in the, um, I think, in the early to mid eighties. Uh, ladies football, Leitrim took over. Because at the time, the, ladies football was brand new. It only really became an organisation or a sport that was played competitively in the late seventies. So this was brand new, and Leitrim were one of the kingpins at the time in the country. We were, yeah, because um, fortunately at the time. It actually started, as far as I can remember now, I'm, I'm open to correction, but there was a man in Ballinamore, they, they ran a festival in Ballinamore, and ladies football was just starting, and he organised a tournament for the festival. And teams came, you know, that he, I don't know who he got, but I know he got uh, Leeds without a team, and then other teams played. And I remember the very first game we actually played as Leeds it was in our own pitch in Drumshamba. This is my recollection of the first game I can remember. And we played Roscommon, who were after winning the minor All-Ireland ladies. And that was our first competitive game that time now that I can remember. What are your memories of, I think it's 84, because that's the year Leitrim actually reached a senior All-Ireland final against Kerry. Because we, we talk about Leitrim not winning anything over the years, and, and to be fair, in most years it's pretty accurate, but a Leitrim team have played in a senior All-Ireland final against Kerry. What's your memory of that day? Well, it was elation and disappointment. Elation first because we knew we had won the game. And then disappointment then because the referee had decided that it was a draw. So even when the game was over and he blew the final whistle, the Kerry girls were congratulating our girls on the win in the game, you know. But what actually happened as far as we know was that when we scored, he put our score down on the Kerry side that meant whatever, instead of winning by two, it ended up a draw, you know, so. And then, unfortunately, that game was played in the old Salt Hill Stadium that time. But unfortunately, then in the replay, we played it down somewhere in Leash, I think we lost by two points in the replay, so. And that Kerry team went on to win nine All-Irelands in a row. Yeah, yeah, they had an exceptionally team, the good way that team that time. Could it have worked the other way around? Had we won that game, would Leitrim have won a couple of All-Irelands in a row? Well, Did that I, confidence have built? I would say it's hard to say we would have, like, you know, but the possibility is that we could have. Because the, the, the what would I put it, the psychological effect that we were, could be beaten the likes of Kerry and one of the best. They were very strong even before that. Like, they were the team to beat at the time, like, you know. And the fact that we had beaten them 
would have been a huge moral boost and a huge confidence boost for the girls. What was the mood in the camp like? Who was on that team? And maybe refresh our memories a bit of some of the names. Or oh God! <laughs> I know it's nearly forty years ago. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. I know um, Mary and Deirdre Quinn would have been on that team. Well, right? yeah, Deirdre probably. But um, there was a, there was a, 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 there was. It's very hard to remember them that back that far now. To be honest with you. Not to worry. Not to worry. Yeah. Four years later... Because if I say a name, I'd probably miss someone else that I should have known, and, you know, so I'd be better off. Not. Say, say nothing. Yeah, say nothing. Four years later, Leitrim were back, I suppose, the first time in Grow Park in the junior championship. So we'd, we'd dropped out of the senior grade, but we came back in, what was, I think, the first play of the, the junior championship that year. Yeah, we, um, we... A lot of them girls then, like I say, if we had to win that game against Kerry, or, or, which we did win, but I've gotten the... The result we needed at the time, the confidence that them, a lot of them girls then decided, well, that's it. You know, we, we put in a good shift and we're going to call it a day. So we were regraded down to junior. So we had an early start and build again then, you know. So so you were the manager of the team the whole way through this, right? Yeah. And how much did you know, coming out of, say, the 87 championship, what was the plan and what was the mood in the camp ahead of 88? Can you remember? Uh, well, the move in the camp was that we, we, we knew we had the basis of a very good team because there were some exceptionally good girls and good footballers. And there was absolute total commitment from them girls. You know, when you, when you see modern day things, the way things are now that, you know, you see county teams and all this flashy gear and everything, them girls got absolutely... I think we got... If, if my memory serves me right, the night before the All Ireland, we stayed in Barry's Hotel in Dublin, and the Leeton People's Association invited us to a meal in the Ashling Hotel on the Saturday night, and they presented us with tracksuits that night, and that's what the girls got that time. Whereas now you nearly get the tracksuit just for showing up a trainer. Well, more or less, yeah. And them girls, like, there was no um, bus collecting them. And, you know, the, the thumb, the hitch lifts, they got their parents to bring them. And I'm not saying that I was manager at the time, but there was times that I, when we finished training, we used to train mostly in Sloan. And I'd end up in Glenfarren that night, leaving off there, so, you know. I think people forget how the, the origins of these sports, in terms of the commitment that was put in by people like yourself and those girls and their parents and family and friends, just to put a team on the pitch on a Sunday. Oh yeah, it was it's just phenomenal and the the commitment them girls put in phenomenal, you know. The actual final itself, eighty eight, because it, now I know our hurlers have played in Crow Park in the last couple of years twice. Our footballers were there this year. The girls have played a couple of times there. That would have been a pretty unique experience though, because I don't think we'd played in Crow Park since I might be right in saying since ninety or since nineteen twenty seven uh, to actually play a game in Crow Park. As a Leitrim team, was that the first well, time? Well, fifth, well, the minors would have been in it in '56 now. Okay. And yeah, and we were in the league in in it in '57. I think it was '57, '58. The seniors played Derry in a league final, in it, or some. Anyway, we played Derry there in some of them years. Anyway, but no. But I, the fact that you can list off the particular incidents we were there yeah. shows how. Oh yeah, we were, and it, like even like you're yeah, going back to when we were young. That was one thing we never missed was an All Ireland final. You know, what, the, what sort of transport my father got, we were into the car and away you go, off and up at half six on a Sunday morning heading for Crow Park, but 
we went to Cope Park. So back to 88, the Leitrim girls, what do you remember of the day itself? Uh, we stayed in Barry's Hotel overnight and, and I think Pascal, in fairness, was involved with Barry's and he got us, a, 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 what would you call a deal for the night and stay in Barry's. And naturally enough, the girls were all like very excited and, you know, it was... And we actually went out and trained after going up to Dublin on the Saturday, we went out to the Phoenix Park for a, a run around or a bit of a, you know, loosener out of it. And one girl ended up, Martina, ended up with a black eye. <laughs> Did she run into a deer? No, no, no. That's the, they were that competitive, you know. There was, you know, there was no standing back for it. If it was there to be won, we were going to win it type of attitude, you know. They were brilliant girls, no? And the final itself, going out and taking the field in the stadium... Was there much of a crowd there for the ladies' final well, time? To be straight with you, Brefany, I don't remember anything about the crowd or the thing. All I was focused on was making sure I could get the girls in the right frame of mind and do, do the things we were doing, you know. And uh, I focused on that more. I mean, I, I, people tell me that lead the crowd... Actually, get PJ Carr was over leading some of the seniors at the time and they were on their way to a play a challenge game and he, they went to Club Park to support us, which is great, like, you know. And... Um, People told me they were all singing lovely leads from, but I never, I never heard a bit of it. <laughs> you just blocked it all out other than the yeah. game. What was the feeling at the final whistle? You've just won an All-Ireland <laughs> Championship. It doesn't happen that often in this part of the world. Was it a, a sense of relief? Was it a sense of elation or somewhere between the two? Well, I suppose somewhere between the two, but mostly elation. I was delighted, it, it, not for just myself, but for the girls. It was, you know, the, like I said, the commitment them put them girls put in was something else, like, you know. Really was, yeah. And we played, it was London we were playing. Actually, there was a girl from my hometown in Dumjambo was actually playing with London that day. And then there was some former players that we had played against that were playing with Roscommon, played with Roscommon and played with Calvin. And we kind of knew they were a bit of form, so we, we designated one or two different players to pick them, you know. Mary Quinn especially to pick this other girl from Roscommon. And um, Mary had a ferocious game. She had a tremendous game that day. And Anne-Marie was playing corner forward. Anne-Marie, I think, was not disclosing your age, Anne-Marie. <laughs> Anne-Marie Cox, of course. <laughs> yeah, well, well, she was known to us that time as well. We <laughs> yeah, she was a she was a well under 16. Oh, you know, she, she was. was 14 she or 15 was, years yeah, of age was, at the yeah, time. Yeah. And she, was, she was brilliant, though. Gee, any chance, any slight chance of a score, and she was capable of taking it, like, you know. Which she did probably for 20 years after it as well. In, oh, she did, yeah. But Maeve yeah. Quinn also would have been a star of that team. Oh, yeah. She was maybe yeah. 16, 17, possibly 18 at the time, just breaking into the Leitrim team. But that Leitrim team was full of all-stars. There was oh, a lot yeah, of all-stars yeah. in that there was, team. Yeah, there was, yeah, yeah. Mary, uh, Maeve had a great partner in the middle of the field and, and Mary, Mary McDermott from Glenfarren, you know. She was, she had a ferocious engine on her, Mary, she could get up and down the field, you know. You know, you could talk about each individual player and what they, what they were able to do, like, you know, and the way they gelled, everything gelled as one, which is, you know, the way they really worked for one another, you know. In terms of the next 10 years of your sporting career with both Leitrim and Alan Gales, in terms of both on the sideline and also watching on, it must have been for someone who'd watched Leitrim and, and Drumshambo probably for so long to see senior championships coming to Drumshambo, to see Connacht championships coming to Leitrim, an under-21 championship, a minor championship, all coming back to the county over the next 10 years up to 1998. How much 
did you appreciate those that decade of, of your club and the county's history? Well, at the time you were you were so engrossed and involved in it, you, you just didn't think of things like that. But in, the, in when your you know your career comes to an end, you look back to say you know it was great to be involved in that and great to be involved in that. And I was lucky to be involved with some great people in Leitrim at the time. Like I was very involved with Michael McGowan from Melvin Gales, which um, we won a Father Manning competition. I was a selector with Michael. I was a selector with him when we won the under twenty one. You know, and then I managed Leitrim myself for a couple of years and we got promotion the first year, Leitrim Senior Men's. And then um, into club then, I, I went back to club and I managed, uh, I trained the club in 91 when we won our first senior title. And I played in 87 and 89, we won the junior and intermediate. I was able to participate that way and play, play a little part in that. And then... Another man that has passed was a turnover award. Frank McEwen took over manager then in the 90s, and I was a selector with Frank. And then Frank stepped down in 96, and I took over as manager in 96, and was fortunate enough that but again the award and the girls in 88, a tremendous bunch of lads in, in 96, and we won back to back titles 96, 97. What year was the, or, or my imagine things was there a Connacht Club Championship final there as well there was in the 96 yeah. Connacht Club yeah unfortunately we lost in the, in the Connacht final to Corrifin by four points but you it's know a little bit of luck that day we could have sneaked it but the unfortunate part was a couple of our players were injured which we had lost which made a huge difference to us on the day in terms of the Connacht Club Championship how because that's a competition that maybe until this year really we haven't really performed well in as a county collectively our, our teams almost seem to be happy with just having won the county championship and they celebrate a bit maybe too vigorously how important was that to that group of players at the time because a lot of those would have been in that Leitrim team in the early 90s that were just winning all around them oh yeah you had uh, you know Parry Kenny and Owen Morden and them boys and Garrett McQueenie and Martin my nephew and that was an exceptional bunch of players, though. They were, t- I mean, when I say exceptional bunch of players, they were as regards commitment. You know, I, I could tell you a story about a, a lad that was married and his, his wife organised a weekend away in Spain. And the first question he asked her, did you check, was there a match on Sunday? You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How did that go down at all? Yeah, uh, and, and uh, in actual fact, we did have a match on the Sunday, but he got an early flight to be home on time for it. I don't know what any of that. The modern day boys do things like that. I don't think they'd be let. <laughs> I think, you know, I think, I think. And I, I remember, um, who was it? I was it talking to some of the lads in, on on the '94 team that when John O'Mahony was involved, and the, I heard the story with them talking about they're talking about commitment, and some of them said, "Well, they had to go to a wedding on Saturday." You know that there mightn't be a John O'Mahony. This is what I have been taught said, well, that's fine. He's going to the important part, go to the church. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> right, you know. So I, I don't know, can you imagine now saying that to some fella now? Yeah, yeah. I, I, no, absolutely. <laughs> he'd, he'd be looking at but that's not the important part. But, yeah, yeah, but it actually know, is, that's, it's yeah, the whole no, point so of why they're going yeah, to the win. your priorities right if you want to win anything, yeah. In terms of maybe some of the regrets or some of the disappointments over the years, what have been the the low points of following Leitrim football from a personal point of view as well as the sporting end of things? Oh, 
God, at all points, there's a, <laughs> a fair few of them when you go back to kind of championship matches getting well beaten. I don't know many years in a row, but we were beaten in the 60s and the kind of final. It was three or four years in a row losing them. Like, I thought, like, you know, this is, we're never going to win one. Like, you know, something probably the poor Mario people are saying to themselves now about the winning the All-Ireland, you know, they've been just there knocking on the door and so close and not being able to get across the line. Them, all them losses in the 60s was, was heartbreaking, all right. But then the joy in 94, like, wiped that away, really, you know. So one victory really does oh, yeah. <laughs> make up for decades yeah. of defeats. Yeah. In terms of, I suppose, the personalities you've been involved in in the sport through the the years, who would be the, the standout personalities? Obviously, your contribution is huge. Your brother, Tony's contribution, both to club and county, he was the chairman during that period in 1994. Um, who are the main people that you would have been, I suppose, involved with? You mentioned Michael McGowan, of course, as well. Yeah, well, when I was uh, involved with the Leitrim senior men's team now, and a, a lot of people, <laughs> I don't know why they were surprised, but I, I, a man, that, unfortunately, another man that has gone to us, eternal rest, is um, we were great rivals on the line. Like, you know, we'd, we'd, it'd be dog-eat-dog sort of an attitude on the line because both of us wanted our own teams to win. But I had the height of respect for because he was a, a fierce, knowledgeable man in football. And uh, was Patsy Cookin. St Mary's, obviously. Yeah. Brendan's father. Yeah. You know, you know, you can have your rivalries on the line, but yeah, Patsy was a tremendous brain for football and a great. You know, he he could see things other people couldn't see, and he was the first man I went for when I was asked to be uh, manager of the Leitrim team. The other man that was with me that time then was a man he was big into KTL records at the time. I don't know, you probably know him, Brendan Harvey from Machine, and he was based in Dublin. So he came on board to look kind of look after the the Dublin based players sort of thing. I think he followed on, I think he was with I don't know, was he with John O'Mahony after as well, but anyway. No, but Patsy to me was a brilliant man. Now we had a whole series of questions I wanted to ask you about growing up in Drumshambo. We just kind of run out of time to ask you all of that sort of stuff. But I do want to talk to you before we finish up. It's not about football, but it's about sport. And every now and again, um, I'd be driving from between Drumshambo and Carrick or wherever, and I'd see out on the bike. Are you still cycling? Yeah, still cycling. Yeah, yeah. I'm not out this weather at the minute. Now, to be honest with you. But um, if I don't go out on the bike, I, I usually go up to the gym in the clubhouse. We have a great clubhouse up there, a great fitted-out gym. So I try to go out about three times a week on the bike, you know. And you've done some pretty big adventures uh, on the bike. Um, I know you're involved with the Handicapped Children's Pilgrimage Trust that yeah. do a, a biannual cycle every two years to yeah. Lourdes, and you've done that multiple times. Yeah, i done the first one in '86. Yeah, and I don't know every two. It's every two years that is now. You probably know that because your dad is involved in that. And and another good friend of ours, <laughs> who can rope you into anything and con you into anything, is Seamus Regan in Eton Village. So, but I I, I missed two, but I I didn't do the last two. I says I've done. I think it was fourteen. I've done so. But that's like I suppose even just down to the the funds that you would have raised yourself yeah. uh, over the years will be in the tens of thousands of euros oh, would, on yeah, that. But yeah, yeah. when you collectively group together the the group that you're probably been a huge part of keeping that group together over the years, you could be looking at hundreds of thousands of euros to bring yeah, disabled kids to yeah. to Lourdes every two years. Yeah, the first year we done it, there was twelve of us done it. You know, Mickey Martin who got 
due recognition this year as the Hall of Fame award thing. Um, Mickey and I and Seamus, we started the first cycle actually from the clock and carriage. That's where we had to start. Like so, then there was different ways. You went to you went to Rosclare, You got to work to Sherbrooke, and then over the years, more and more people got to know about it. And from the first year we done it with twelve, the last time I done it there was one hundred and thirty six. So and each of us then have to raise X amount of money. And then we all pay our own way as well, like you know. So it's it's a week, but it's a great week, like brilliant week. Now you're starting to talk nearly in the millions that you've raised o- over the years uh, from that initiative um, over the last thirty or so years. So fair play to all of the things you've done for all the communities you're involved in, whether it's the HCPT or I suppose the one you're probably more well known for which would be uh, football in the county, whether it's Alan Gales or Leitrim GA. Well, listen, Eamon, thank you so much for coming in and having a chat with us. The very uh, best wishes to you and your family over the Christmas period. And uh, I'm sure we'll be look, talking to you about whatever's happening in the football world <laughs> into the next year as well. Okay, Bethany, you're welcome.